You are now listening to Tough Gages Podcast. Welcome back to Talk Your Jits Podcast. This podcast is, as the name implies, all about jujitsu. I'm your host, Lamar Smith. And today's guest, today's guest is a brown belt who trains at PSA BJJ Brooklyn, located in uh, Brooklyn, New York. Ladies and gentlemen, Danny Patrick. What's up? Not much, man. I see you like a really dope backdrop. Uh, Power Rangers, belts, everything else like that. It's a really cool setup. Yeah, this is my little man cave, man. It's really cool, man. I kind of feel I, I, like I have like some collectibles and a Christmas tree up. I kind of feel like dumb now, just going with the white door. <laughs> hey man, it's, it's all it's all good, man. It's all good. I mean, I never thought of like the backdrop like that. I need Ricky Ricky's um, BGJ Ricky's podcast, and he has a huge um, display cabinet of uh, Marvel Legends. Nice. You know Marvel Legends. Oh yeah, I got some. It's on the. It's like a little bit for all the time. An Avengers cabinet, everything like evil villains cabinet, and I'm just like, damn man, like (laughs) with the white door. (laughs) 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 So that's true times happen. (laughs) So don't don't make it a third. (laughs) I mean, it's bound to happen. I do like oh, I, I do these like interview things, like job interviews and different tests and stuff for work where you have like a um you have someone watch you take the test mm-hmm. online so you don't do anything shady. And they kind of require like a plain white door, blue drapes type of deal. So I kind of like got used to it. Plus, like in a job uh, interview, like if you have like too crazy of a background, it's sort of like now they're like distracted, looking at like like this guy who's interviewing. Who's like, is that the White Ranger? Like, which generation White Ranger is that? Is that first generation Tommy, or is that later <laughs> on Speed Force? Right. I get you. I get you. <clears throat> but yeah, man. First off, I appreciate you coming on the show, man. Uh, greatly, greatly appreciate you reaching out. It's not a problem, man. Um. Anyway, like the way I see it, um, being a bit of a meme page is sort of like there's a community aspect. Um, Mm -hmm. Like I know most of the other meme pages on Instagram. Um, I'm friends with several of them. Um, I mean, I've had a couple of them over my house, met them, different things like that. And there's like community things. Is there any way I could help you push? Your podcast, I'm all for it. If there's any way I could help some newer meme page, like try and understand the whole algorithm and how to go from 1K followers to 15K, then I'm all for it, man. Um, it's like something like, like what's all win, man. Right. Yeah, oh, yeah I'm, I'm, like, I'm with you, man. Definitely. Let's all get. Let's all get some of this. Like jujitsu, um, I mean, for lack of a better term, I'm gonna call it um, extracurricular money. 
Because he's yeah. not exactly directly jujitsu money. Do you know what I mean? Like, as if you're a coach or a competitor, but podcasts, memes, stuff like that, I guess would be kind of sort of like extracurricular if you would have been. Um, but yeah, why not? Everyone win. I mean, in a competition, it's a different story. I'm going to win. I don't want anyone else to win. <laughs> right, but in this type of setting, let's 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 well, all outside get it. of like an actual win. competition. Yeah, let's <laughs> right. win. in a competition. I'm first. I don't even want to accept the second or third match. <laughs> all right, man. Let's get the ball rolling, man. If you want to introduce yourself again, by all means, and let's hear about your jujitsu journey. Um, Danny Patrick. I'm a brown belt out of. Park Sub Academy of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu in Brooklyn. Um, at like, I don't know how long I've been training, to be honest with you. When I moved, when I moved, I did find a schedule from 2014. Okay. Um, so I'm going to say like eight, nine, ten, some odd years. Um, there were some gaps with injuries and th- different things like that. Um, I'm an insurance adjuster, so I could just jump up and spend the next like month or two in Florida. Um, and not be training at my school, things like that. Um, I'm a meme page, Danny Patrick, BJJ. Um, I make, I mostly make memes about shitty wives. <laughs> And different things like that, but um, I like the idea of like just making other people laugh or like sort of relate to a certain joke. Like, I mean, how many? Like, we could all laugh about how many dudes are still around since when we started. Things like that. Um, mm-hmm. It's about it, man. Um, I'm deaf, actually. Really? I don't know if you know, yeah, you probably haven't noticed it because I'm reading captions, but I'm actually deaf, like hard fearing deaf. Um, okay. I'm reading captions. It's coming up fine. Um, but I kind of always think this is a funny thing. Like, look. <laughs> oh wow! No, I wouldn't. I, yeah, I would not have known. It's. <laughs> I always think it's kind of hilarious. Like. You just tap like an old man, and you just be like, "Hey, man, I bet your hearing's better than mine." I'm a, he's like, "What are you talking about? I have awful hearing." I'm like, "Look, mine's the worst." <laughs> he's like, "I have none at all." <laughs> um, what about you, Lamar? Where are you from? Uh, I'm from Detroit, Michigan. Detroit. All right. Yep. Born and raised. You know which school were you in Detroit? Um, when I started jujitsu, uh, I was at a school called H2O Martial Arts. Do you know Judo Dan by any chance? No, I don't. No, nah, I don't think so. He's a he's a Detroit plant, transplant. Uh, I'm trained at my school. Hopped around to like six, seven other schools. Finally got his black belt. From what I heard, is he was a brown belt since '96. Wow. Wild, right? Yeah. Um, I don't know. He's like he's absolutely deserving of a black belt type of guy, but 
sort of enigma surrounded him where he sort of jumped around New York, Detroit. I think he's upstate New York now. But sort of the type of guy like, yeah, this guy deserves a black belt 100%. But then you hear some wild story. He's been a black belt. He's been a brown belt since 96. It's my sister was born in ninety six in ninety five. <laughs> and, and, and I think she's in her thirties now. <laughs> that, yeah. That's yeah, that's like 30 years being a brown belt. I think it was sort of like a nomad thing. Like mm-hmm. he was at our school for like six months. Then he's at another school. Then he finally settled down upstate and actually been training there for around a year or so. You know what I mean? Like, you get these guys who deserve black belts, but they're not consistent at a, at a single school. So it's like promoting them to black belt. Like, I barely even know you. you right. Know what I mean? So it, I guess it's like kind of like that's an era. Um, I don't think he really cared. Um, and he did get his black belt eventually, so that's what it is. Yeah, I think um, being being in a martial art for so long, you, you kind of don't care about the belt so more. It's more so the journey and experience that you really look forward to than you know your belt changing colors. I agree to an extent, and I'll pose this sort of like a discussion question for the both of us. Mm-hmm. Um. I kind of felt that way until I got a brown belt. You know what I mean? Okay. The brown belt was like, holy crap, I'm this close to black belt. You know what I mean? Because like getting a blue belt, you're a black belt. Blue belt doesn't really mean that much. Mm-hmm. Um, and so on. But I kind of felt that way. And I don't think like you got a black belt. Was that not a big deal to you? Oh, very much. Very well. Once I got it, it was very much a to me. So it's like sort of like yeah, the belts don't mean as much until you get into like a competition and it kind of divides people out. Fair, but also like it's kind of nice when you get a drop in and you're kind of gauging them if they have the belt. You know, you don't gotta like play the whole like fatty cake like with a white belt or so on. Um, but that aside. Yeah, I mean, they are whatever, like, but I know for a fact when I achieve black belt, it's going to be absolutely be meaning to the point where I'm going to toss the idea of belts don't matter out the window because that's a huge achievement. Um, On the other side of the coin, to me, it's sort of like whatever keeps you showing up. If it's a belt, if it's a prospect out of promotion, Whatever like that. You see these guys on the internet like willing to do whatever they can for some cheat code to make them a blue belt. Like mm-hmm. if that's what keeps them showing up to class, then I mean like who am I to say belts don't matter, right? Right. But at the same time, like you're in class, like the guy that kind of like fits your style competitively. Mm-hmm. regardless of his rank is kind of like that's who you want to be rolling with regularly. I mean, my kryptonite is a guy who just got his purple belt. Um, He was a blue belt for the longest time 
and he's just so freaking stiff. And mm-hmm. just like natural wrestler and just stiff. You can't really do much with him just because even just pulling his arm off of his side is a grand task. Um, He's kind of like someone who belts really didn't matter to. Um, mm-hmm. But that's the guy who I'm going to spend every chance I get rolling with. He's, he's right. going to make me better, stuff like that. I'll fi- I'll finally figure out how to deal with this super stiff guy. <laughs> so um so how long have you been training at um PSA? Um that's my only school. Okay, so okay. All that's right. the only home right. school I've had. Uh, I'm a bit of a slut though. Um <laughs> I will train anywhere. Um I've dropped in like 80 some odd schools. Um, I'll drop in another 80 schools when I have a chance. I with insurance adjusting, I kind of like follow disaster. It's kind of dark. Um, so last time I was in Florida was because it was a hurricane in Florida. You know what I mean? I was offered uh Hawaii for the fires, but I wasn't actually registered in Hawaii, so I didn't take it. On top mm-hmm. of that, it would have probably been like four or five months in Hawaii just adjusting places. Wow. Um, it was off from Michigan. I don't, I'm not registered in Michigan either. They have crazy hailstorms. Um, but yeah, I was in California. I went and tried dropping in on Kurt Ossander's gym. I was in Pittsburgh. I think it was Stout. I tried dropping in on, um, uh, Florida, City of Palms, um, Chicago. I highly recommend. Um, 10 P Lombard Sunday open mat. Um, huge facility in probably close to like a hundred feet for people open mat. Oh man. I mean, I might be exaggerating the number a little bit, but we're talking like it was like an auditorium sized mat and you had, you had wrestlers, you had, we had a guy in a football jersey. <laughs> hey, gotta get it, man. Gotta get Jingo it. Guys, 10P guys, Sambo guys, everything. It was like the most diverse open man I've ever been to. It was a great time. Just like two, three hours. Um, I don't even think they had me sign a waiver, which I thought was the weird part. <laughs> I don't think I've, I, yeah, I don't think I've ever time. signed a waiver at a open mat either. Really? Yeah. I mean, I feel like that's kind of standard. Um, just like sign a waiver. Um, no really questions after that. Like, yo, sign a waiver. There's where the locker room is. There's where the bathroom is. It's kind of like easy going. But, yeah, my school's really kind of stiff on waivers, which is fair. Most of have dropped in. I think the weird one. School in Jersey, I signed a waiver, but then, like, for the mat fee, it was just, like, a tin box. And I think mat fee was, like, 30 bucks, which I felt was high. What? That's tuition. <laughs> so in there. Like, who, who's paying attention to this? Like, like 30 bucks is high. Um I think Marcelo's is cheaper than 30 bucks. 
I know um, B team's fifty drop man. Fifty. Yeah, um, I feel like I should get at least three hours and some seminar out of fifty. Yeah, I want. Yes, okay, I like. Um, you guys have uh, donation seminars over there. Yeah, so we have like a ten dollar drop in fee. That's it's fine, not that man. big of a deal. I mean, yeah. bigger cities. I understand that it's going to be like twenty. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what I mean? Like you're talking about like Marcelo's. If Marcelo's like running the class, like yeah, I'll pay twenty. <laughs> um, yeah, of course, of course. But yeah, I've been to few places. One like thirty, forty. Then go to like another place like Unity. If you want this like super specific, like hands-on training class, I think it's twenty. But every other class, they don't even charge you. Mm, okay. Now, with you being an insurance adjuster, you travel a lot. So when you find out where you're going, do you like do you look up what schools are there first before you find hotels to stay at? Um. I look them up when I get there. Okay. Because Jake Florida, for example. Um, I was in Florida for two and a half weeks. I believe I worked 230 hours, including traveling, which was two, two to four hours of driving a day in the flight. So it's a little bit less of like actual work time. Um, mm-hmm. I don't always have spare time to train, but I have family and friends in Fort Myers area. So I hit up uh, two friends. Yeah, yeah, I got buddies over at City of Palms. They have, take the class. You'll train with like three uh, UFC fighters. Right, that sounds dope. I'll throw uh, no gear stuff in my bag. Go like that. Um, Chicago. I think I asked Reddit for Chicago when they came up with uh, Tempe Lombard. I had Sunday off, so I went Sunday to the open mat and then went and visited my cousin a little bit further out. Um, I just kind of do it like that. It's easier to like travel no gi than gi, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would either look up schools close to my hotel. Because I might be working till six with a seven o'clock class. I get back to my hotel, take a quick shower, and I get to a school that's like five, ten minutes away at time. Um, otherwise, other days, like I had a 24 hour day or a 26 hour day in California because I drove eight hours both ways. Mm. On a Sonora Pass, <clears throat> just like driving off a mountain and then coming down a mountain, and then I got stuck in a snowstorm. So a day like that, I don't have a chance to go train jujitsu. But it's sort of like like you drop into school. There's like five minutes of awkwardness, and then you move on. You know what mm-hmm. I mean, I think what the one time I had like conf- I got confused was Unity. They have a lot of like hand gestures and stuff like that. That if you don't know them, you're kind of like, oh, I don't know what this guy just said to me with his hand gestures. 
and being deaf, I'm thinking literally. Like you say, Sal Sane, man. <laughs> then I'm like looking around, like this whole fucking class knows sign language. What's <laughs> And I'm like, yeah. So there's like that. It was like a little bit of confusion. Then it kind of like the Italian guy who didn't even spoke English was kind of explaining to me. <laughs> um, but oh, and, man. kind of the cool thing about being in NYC mm-hmm. is there's so many schools here. You could drop in on. Uh, I took classes with John Caldestine. I took seminars with John Caldestine, uh, Jason Rao, um, Nikki Ronan. Uh, I've been all over the place training here. I think I've been to Marcel's. I think I've been to like three, four RGAs. Um, I trained jiu-jitsu at a Muay Thai school once just because they ran it in the, in the rink. Um, I took classes with Tex Johnson. I got kicked out of two UFC gyms. Um, How? Different things like that. Oh, I trained with uh, both the Mile brothers. Like, nicest guys. But mm-hmm. they walk on the mats like their posture is the cockiest thing ever. Like, just their posture is so messed up from years of jiu-jitsu. They're kind of like, and they look like, who's the fucking guy is cocky as hell looking around like this? <laughs> like, he's got a fucking 16-inch cock on right here. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, dude, just like, that's just how their body's, like, manipulated to the constant, like, jujitsu trauma. They're the nicest uh-huh. guys. They'll show you anything. Um, Rule Santana, Junior Costco. Um... It's like there's so many pros here. You can just drop in a school and you're training with a pro or training mm-hmm. with. I mean, Donahue's not here anymore, but you could have dropped in his school, trained with him, trained with Renzo, trained with Marcelo. It's kind of a cool thing like that. Trained my coaches, coaches. I've done that. That was cool. Nice. Nice. So, so how did you get kicked out the UFC schools? <laughs> um,. <laughs> I mean, I'll call out the sh- I'll call out the exact school. I don't think it's there anymore. J Street in downtown. Um, at the time, I think it was like Blue Bell at the time. But I kind of liked that I could take the jujitsu class. If I had like two, three hours of free time, I would take the jujitsu class and then go hit the weights. It's kind of like the nice thing about UFC gyms. Um, mm-hmm. But J Street, this instructor, I don't think he had any jiu-jitsu experience or, like, the vaguest amount. And he's showing um, how to finish an armbar. But this isn't like, you know how you take a seminar? Like, who's a cool seminar you took? You said what? Who's, like, a cool seminar you took? You ever taken a Calterra seminar? No, I haven't took one. I took a... Um... Just give me someone random you took a seminar with. Chris Hodder at a Chris Hodder seminar. I'm kind of jealous of that. I'm a big fan of that. Um, so you know how he'll show you a tiny little adjustment of how he does an arm bar? Mm-hmm. And you just like, wow. I can't believe I never even thought of that. Right. 
Those are like the gyms I absolutely love. Like, mm-hmm. look, me and you both know how to do arm bars, but show me your specific, like, different things, and I can take a little piece of that, do it my way. Do you know what I mean? That's kind of like where we're learning off each other. Um, this wasn't at all that. <laughs> this was literally us just laying on the ground with each other's arms in between each other's legs. And he wasn't even showing the thigh squeeze to keep the pivot. He was just showing this basic, like, like if you got in some scenario where this scramble happened and you ended up with someone's arm in between your legs, and he's just showing that. And I'm like, I can't believe you guys are charging money for this. Right. <laughs> and he says, what? The coach says, what? And it's like, I can't believe you're taking people's money and this is what you're showing. Like, it just doesn't feel fair to them. They like, this is a class of, I'm assuming hobbyist white belts and for Mm -hmm. them to like, for someone to charge who has close to no BJJ experience, he's probably like a great boxer or Muay Thai coach, Mm -hmm. but he's teaching BJJ classes. And this is what you're teaching. He's not, like anything specific, but just an armbar, how to finish an armbar. And he's like, what do, what do you mean by that? I was like, I mean, like, I don't feel like it's fair to these people taking this class that you actually not even coaching. You're just showing like the most vaguest thing. I was like, I, I don't like your tone. I mean, I'm just being honest with you. Or I'm like, boo about like, I'm assuming for you to be coaching a BJJ class, you've taken like a few BJJ classes and you can show me a little something. Uh, This is this, we're arguing, and I got kicked out. The funny part, though, about how I got kicked out is they actually refunded me $35. (laughs) 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 I actually made $35 getting kicked out of this. <laughs> they paid you to leave. <laughs> um, the other one, I disagreed with a manager. I walked, I worked across the street from it, and she said something really obtuse, and I had to disagree with her while inside the school. And she basically like asked me to leave. Um, do like. I've heard, like, I know I'm a big fan of Mark Schultz, the wrestler. I know mm-hmm. he teaches at a UFC school. Um, I've taken, uh, I took a great class with Tex Johnson at a UFC school. I've taken other classes at UFC gyms. There are some great coaches there, so I'm not completely demeaning UFC school, UFC gyms, but some of them, like, we're talking about, like, Guys with like five, six months training, teaching classes, right? That's cool. I mean, sure, I'm, I'm going to learn something from White Belt or hear them out. Um, but I don't think you should be sort of like lying about what you are in jiu-jitsu. Right. There's this... There's this kid posted something recently on Facebook 
Um, this guy he trains with like disappears for four months, comes back with a different rank. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's kind of weird because his belt looks like four fresh white stripes on it. Like we like got him yesterday. Um, cool. I mean, I don't care that as long as you're not hurting anyone in the school or like lying about your rank for the sake of like money. Coaching people with a lying rank, then what does it matter, man? You can wear a plaid belt in. I don't give a shit. Yeah, I I don't know why they think that you know you changing your belt color is supposed to give you some type of superpowers. It's going to show once you roll. It's like you remember Jose Quinwas or Jay Quinwas? Yeah, I heard the names. Oh, Jujitsu cops. The guy who mm-hmm. like, got a black belt from a sh- um a stripper manager strip club manager <laughs> <laughs> and just like doesn't show up to work for two weeks. He's like, Oh, I was in Brazil, and he comes back, he's a black belt. I mean, fine. All right. Literally, it's like for that type of person, it's a Halloween cast. Who cares? All mm-hmm. right. I'm sure you know or you've seen people who you who have a wink that you don't think deserves it. All right. We all kind of like feel that way. We just don't say anything because it's like not our business. You go right. to school. Mm-hmm. All right. So you have a school. What mm-hmm. would you do if one of your students, say a blue belt, spent a month in Brazil, comes back and is a purple belt? I would I would question it. I would definitely question it. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, because he is still wearing your your gee, your name on his gi, right? Right. Now, do you think there's a difference? Are you stricter on rank? We do to drop in other gyms due to compete versus like for lack of a better term, let's say an in-house promotion. Um, if it's someone outside of my school, I I can care less because I don't know I don't know their lineage. I don't know how they run stuff. But yeah, if it's someone in-house and they yeah like they leave for a month and come back another rank, I was like, nah, that don't work that way with me. That's fair. Um, so I'm saying, like, say an in-house promotion. If you have a dude who's sits, say, 60, 70, and he's in class all the time, mm-hmm. all right, he's not going to be dropping in or competing anywhere. But right. you promote him to a higher rank because he's putting in the work and stuff like that. Even though physically at that age, he's maybe not as competitive against the younger guys with lower ranks. Mm-hmm. Um, that's fair. It's sort of like in he's training only here. Mm-hmm. Everyone here sees him and respects all the work he puts in. Mm-hmm. And we're looking at him like, yo, that dude absolutely deserves that. Um, and it doesn't become an issue where he drops in another school, trains with other guys at that rank, and they run through him. Mm-hmm. 
that's kind of what I mean, like, in-house promotion. But they're also, like, kind of, like, it's, like, kind of, like, a gray area where we're talking about older guys, where whatever like that, older people training or stuff like that, it becomes, like, a non-issue because it's not like they're, he's going to go compete and get his ass kicked. <laughs> He's like, like he accidentally, he accidentally signed up for adults instead of Master Seven. <laughs> Some fucking nineteen-year-old kid just runs through him. <laughs> right, right. That's wild. <laughs> Let me ask you this: What's the like? What's the weirdest? I give you my funny situation after yours, but what's the weirdest sort of like? Awkward interaction you've had at jujitsu. Hmm. Yeah, we had a we had a guy who he trained off and on at other schools or whatever, and he came to visit our school, and he basically self promoted himself to purple belt. <laughs> And my instructor was asking him, like, oh, you know, who who gave you your who you know who gave you your blue belt, who gave you your purple belt? And he was like, Oh yeah, they don't they don't train, they they they're not from here. So he's like, Okay, that's fine. Who who you know who gave it to you? And he still would not give him an answer. He just kept saying, Oh, y'all know he don't train out, he don't train in Michigan anymore. And then he brought someone <laughs> in. He brought someone in that he gave a blue belt to. And once again, my instructor was just trying to ask, like, who'd you get your blue belt from? And he's like, oh, I got it from, um, uh, yeah, you might, you might not know him. So I was like, get out. <laughs> it's, it's like, you know, type deal. You ever think to, like, run a shark tank on him, like, with your purple belts? That would be funny. So bad. <laughs> so badly. Oh, we wanted to so badly. Like, if you do so badly. Like, all right, you get a purple belt. Just line up, line up like six, seven of your purple belts and just shark tank him. <laughs> throw in some, throw in some tough blue belts in the shark tank too. <laughs> oh yeah, like around that, that time we had some heavy, 16, heavy blue belts. Year old kid who's an absolute stud for a age. You know those like 16, 17 year old kids who were absolute studs? Mm-hmm. Like throw him against that guy. I know, right? Such a problem. Such God, a those problem. kids are the best. Um, yeah. All right, so being deaf, this was like a while back. I worked with this guy, Ian, um, about the same size as me, about the same skill set as me, rank, whatever like that. We just kind of paired perfectly. Um, mm-hmm. We joked everything else like after class. And, but when we're doing the instructional part of class, he would sort of like yell at me. Being um deaf, like move your hand here and everything else like that. I didn't mind it. Um, coaches didn't mind it. I mean, they know I'm deaf. Um, but this newer woman, you can see her just like turning redder and redder right next to us as Ian's yelling at me, and she turns to Ian and she's like, You don't you know you don't have to yell at him like that. <laughs> I replied back to her. Was like, "I'm sorry, I don't actually have my hearing aid in right now. Would you, 
can you talk louder? <laughs> and she just turned so red. She was so embarrassed. It's Ian's favorite story, uh, training the jiu-jitsu. There was, like, another one. I, mean, I hit someone with snow. <laughs> um, I didn't hear she was behind me, but she was, like, yelling at me from behind. And I threw snow over my shoulder right in her face. Oh, no. I'm, dude, I'm from the suburbs. Like, I have a redneck father from Alabama. Like, getting thrown snow in someone's face is not something weird. I have a cousin. Right. <laughs> I was at a family reunion years back when I was like, I don't know, I think we're like 10, 12. Me, my brother, and my cousin, uh, my other cousin, <clears throat> we get in this argument with these like older guys at the hotel. They've been drinking and they're arguing with 10, 12 year olds, which is absolutely <laughs> wild. But I have this like real, real, real. Redneck cousin named Patrick Patrick. <laughs> he actually has a last name, but he goes by his uh, middle and first name, Patrick Patrick. But he's as redneck as they come. I see him on Facebook and he's like posting pictures of like where you get good deals on like Bush Light beer. <laughs> anyway. These guys are yelling at us. These older guys, probably in their 20s, are, like, yelling at us. And we're arguing back because we're dumb kids. And my cousin Patrick Patrick's probably about 20 feet behind us in the woods. And he's just like, hey, you assholes. And he would look at him. And Patrick fucking throws a snake at the older guys. <laughs> Hits this guy right in the face with a snake. Oh, God. <laughs> And it's just like, like that's uh, the countryside that I have. I haven't seen him in years, but he calls up my dad kind of like casually, asks him how his loan's coming along. I have no. <laughs> uh, but that type of stuff you don't see in NYC. In NYC, uh, um, you guys get panhandlers over there? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's Detroit, right? Yeah, it's Detroit. Yeah, we get them. I'm talking about Orange County. <laughs> um, you rather them come to your school? No. You haven't had them come to your school? No. We have our schools right. It's like the thing about my school, it gets so much foot traffic. It's got the big windows. The street mm. is perfect for the amount of foot traffic. We get cops coming in, just like, just like coming to check it out. Next thing you know, we're training with these cops constantly. Um, but mm-hmm. well, we had this homeless guy come in, and he just proclaims like, "Yo, I'm not leaving until someone gives me a dollar." But we're all in gi pants. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have any pockets. <laughs> Like there's, I think there's one mom who's just terrified by this guy. Is the only person in the room who has any pockets. <laughs> so my coach is looking at him. He's like, he he, says, he looks at him. He's like, what do you think I'm keeping this dollar at? He says, what? He's like, I got no pockets. You want to search my ass for a dollar? 
God, dude. And we're kind of like in this situation where now there's like, there's about five guys on the team standing at the edge of the mat like, yo, we about to like beat the crap out of this guy over a dollar. None of us oh, have it. Dollar. You can't get him to right. unless one of us have a dollar. <laughs> but yeah, that was probably like the worst. Um, things like that. Yeah, we haven't had any any issues like that, luckily, uh, at our school. <clears throat> what, part, what part of Detroit is your school at? So I got so we run two schools. I got one school in um in Ferndale. Like you and someone else, or just you? Yeah, me and me and someone else. And I have another spot I teach at out in Garden City. I kind of know it. I've not been to Detroit, but I have like a general idea of the area from friends who've been over there. Mm-hmm. Let me ask this. How did you and the other guy are the owners? Yep. How did y'all meet and sort of decide like y'all trust each other enough? To run two jujitsu schools and start a, a company and business like that. Is that something so, I find fascinating? My coach, my two coaches are like best friends. Yeah, yeah. So um the guy I run one school with, uh, his name is Brian. We trained uh at H2O together for the past six years. He's been there for seven, seven or eight, and I've been there for six. So he's like my brother. And uh, we had to close our school down uh, earlier this year. So we ended up partnering with another uh, another guy at, a, at, a, at his school. He taught like kickboxing um, and other stuff. And we just kind of partnered with him to teach jujitsu at, at that location. So we're like a school within another school. And then the one that I met in Garden City one of our striking uh, instructors, he uh, partnered up with a good friend of his, and he opened up this place, almost like kind of like a UFC um, training center. They got kickboxing, MMA, grappling, and stuff <laughs> like that. And they needed a jujitsu coach, so I, you know, started teaching over there. So, like, you're married. Yes, you're married. That's yep. like your best man, or that happened after. After. All right. But that's kind of like how you would look at it. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Def- oh, yeah. Definitely. Definitely. I mean, maybe you picked your brother. That's fair. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I kind of always thought about that because it's like, that's a lot of trust, man. Um, you see all the crazy stuff that happens in jiu with schools, coaches, and stuff like that. That's a lot just of business in general, honest and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. That's awesome, though, man. Yeah, it. You know, That's it's not a lot of people. Yeah, it's not a lot of people I would trust to do something like that with, and he's probably one of the only few. So it's you know we've been at this place for a couple months now, and everything has been running smoothly. So I'm excited. I'm happy about it. It's something I think I consider doing later down the line. But mm-hmm. being deaf, I kind of would need another like guy that's a little bit more 
hands-on coaching like that. I'm going to have some guys in mind I would do it with. Mm -hmm. Um, But, yeah, I don't think I'd be able to do kids' classes, Dad. Mm. (laughs) That'd be tough. I mean, it's mostly a non-issue. I have coaches. The coaches sort of like motion, like this would be ankle lock from the sidelines when I'm competing. Um, so that becomes easy. Um, there's only one dude I've had an issue with because he he gets like scared and just like panic taps, but he starts like screaming and he's just like rah, rah, rah. And he's just screaming. And Wolf got a side control. <laughs> I like like side control or scarful position, and he's just like and my coach is just like, Dan, are you torturing these guys with wrist locks? <laughs> <laughs> it's a specific guy. It's just wild. Like, he goes like that. Um, other than that, uh, everyone's got a wrong name. <laughs> and it's become a joke to where, like, someone named Steve I thought was Kevin. And now everyone in the class calls him Kevin. <laughs> wow. But that was gonna um, be my next question. Like, you know, um, if you competed, oh, shit. like new guys have no clue that I'm deaf. During warmups, we'll be having an entire conversation, but I'm not looking at them directly, and I have no idea they're talking to me. So they'll be like talking to me, like ah, having this full conversation, and I'm ignoring them, and they start getting like offended and bothered that like I'm blatantly ignoring them <laughs> until someone comes over, like yo. Um, you know he's deaf, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> but that's about the extent of it. Um, I think there's worse issues. Uh, I mean, you had like not worse issues in that way, but um, you had disabled kids. No, we had we had some deaf kids. I had like a strange amount of other deaf teammates. Like six. Um, we had a guy who had uh, CP. Um, so we didn't really have much use of his leg, of his one leg and posture. He couldn't, like, exactly, I guess, flow roll and keep the movement going in certain positions and stuff like that. He asked me about it. And I'm like, yo, work with what you got. Mm-hmm. So I taught him wrist locks. <laughs> And just the way his leg was, it created such like a like a like a sabo sort of like posture and side control. And he would just like right down like that. He became deadly, just wrist locking the crap out of everyone. And because he had these stiff legs, like you couldn't like you couldn't get out of either. Like, <laughs> um and he's he's like he thanked me. He thought it was awesome. I'm like, work with what you got. Like, work with what you, you got, got. Right? You see these one hand and like no like competitors. Some of them are killing it. Like, yeah, I had a guy on the like, show um, a couple, guys, yeah, a couple weeks ago. He he's a high level competitor. And he he's missing a uh, a foot. It's an advantage. <laughs> Right, no, no heel hooks, right? It's one last foot you have to worry about in positions. 
Right. Um, one thing that did kind of like worry me a little bit. Um, I got talking to this guy's girlfriend. Not like that. I mean, like, like online. I knew him pretty well, and whatever, like, like the conversation started happening. Um, but he's paralyzed from waist down, and he's saying. What really kind of scares him is he's his like legs can easily be broken in class, and they likely are. And he doesn't feel it or notice it or anything else like that. He could have like like three, four broken legs, and he's worried that that could cause some like type of issue he doesn't know about. Mm-hmm. But. It's like, all right, he's still just trying to pour a class. What's the matter? No one's intentionally, like, just snapping his legs and, like, heel hooks and ankle locks. That would be messed up. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. You got any questions, bud? Yeah. Um. So going back to, you know, you were saying earlier about, you know, your instructor gives you hand signs to kind of look out for when you're training. So how has that helped you or how has that been like training and competing being deaf? Um, it's nothing, man. Um, I don't think of experience, but one person who ever verbal tapped and it was the guy we were talking about. Um, I almost got in a fight one time because I didn't mention to the ref that I was deaf. Um, but usually if I mention it to the ref, they tap me at the end instead of just like whatever the hand gesture is like that. But um, I subbed the guy after the bell. <laughs> like, we're talking 15 seconds after the bell. He kind of like the bell went off and he just stopped defending or anything else like that. I didn't notice it and I onboard him and we got into an altercation that way. Oh, um, wow. When I noticed what happened, like we were all cool about it after that. Um, apologize for like that. That's the one time I had it. Um, the one other issue, and this is really weird situation. Um, it's like, oh, grappling industries. You guys have grappling industries over there? Uh, the yep. grappling industries had an OSO event for a short time. I think they only did three events. One of them was an NY. It was no limit sub on. Um, brutal. Because I had a 45-minute match that day. Two other guys went for two and a half hours. Brutal. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I have a match with this guy. He's night and day better than me. <laughs> this is that blue belt. Dude's got a step on me, and he gets the best of me for about 12, 14 minutes straight. Like, I don't think anyone watching is, like, looking at this guy like, yeah, he is really good, and he's better than me. But he takes my back, and I notice he crosses the ankles in the back tag. So I crossed my leg over his and folded it. Yeah, 
most pain I've ever experienced in my life. I won't do it ever again. I think I got my coach called me up wipeout, and I was like, yeah, that, I do that ever again. I fold my eyes over him, and he starts screaming in my ear, but I don't hear it. And he and he keeps going for the choke. He's not tapping. He's just like trying to fight through the pain to keep going for the choke. Um, it's really a bad scene to just watch because I'm breaking this guy's ankle, popping this guy's ankle right in front of everyone, and he's refusing to tap. He's still going for the choke and just screaming his lungs out. The ref finally stops it because this guy really wasn't like ready to forfeit both of his ankles to keep going for a choke that wasn't there. Ref stopped it. I'm a bit confused because I didn't tap. He didn't tap. Um, ref called the match over um, ref's decision or whatever like that. I want it. I mean, it's kind of a weird feeling because the guy beat the crap out of me. But the funny part, though, about it, I mean, in that situation, he had it coming himself. Mm-hmm. He did that to himself, so I don't feel bad. It's uncomfortable hurting anyone in mm-hmm. jiu-jitsu, so there is that. But the funny part of the situation is I see uh, my girlfriend in the stand. She doesn't know what happened. Uh, my teammate, Ryan, and he's cringing. He can't even look. And my teammate, my former teammate, Jason, who's just looking at, who's just looking at me like, yeah. And it was just like a, uh, an entire spectrum of emotions from confusion to uncomfortable to like kind of like weirdly comfortable. <laughs> but yeah, like that. I slap bump. I saw bump dudes in class. I'm talking about talking on trash water. I won't even hear it. Um, we had a Colombian guy told me he doesn't speak very good English. And I was like, I mean, I can't hear English for close. <laughs> <laughs> he, dude, he showed me. Um, he's a great guy. He actually picked up English more and took classes. But he was just like, he comes to me one day because we became friendly. He's like, hey, do you want to see the most painful submission I know? I mean, if you're going to show me it on someone else, absolutely. <laughs> But I don't want you to show me it on you. So he shows me it on someone else, and he just puts his wrist right on the bridge of their nose and then does a face crack right on their nose. Mm. <laughs> and he said he said something stupid, like, you know, like everything below the nose is neck. He said everything below the hairline is neck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But, yeah, um, I mean, as far as disabilities go, I don't think mine is actually such an inconvenience, but when you first have it. Mm-hmm. I got in some trouble because I actually lost my sense of smell also. In a coma, you gain your sense of smell back slowly after. Okay. So I was in a coma 12 days. Um, it's actually kind of fun. Like, you smell new things again for the first, second time. Mm-hmm. Um, things that are nice, like melted cheese. You're at 
uh, McDonald's and you smell the fries cooking, you're like, wow, it's a trip. Like you're experiencing these things again. Asphalt, stuff like that. You're experiencing these again. Well, I was at a gas station <laughs> smelling gas again for the second time. And now I have the nozzle up to my nose. And the guy's like, he's like, you need to leave right now. <laughs> and you look at him like you're dead stand, I'm just like, I can smell again. <laughs> he said, you need to leave right now when pulling the cops. Um, <laughs> later date, um, my ex-girlfriend shopping in Kate Spade for purses for a friend or whatever like that. And I'm like, well, holy shit, I can smell leather again. And I'm running around the store picking up purses. I can smell it. I can smell it. I can smell it. And like... <laughs> Like next thing I know, there's three security guards <laughs> standing around me. Like, need to, need to stop like messing around with stuff. <laughs> and like none of it's intentional. It's like you you can smell again. Like all right, you have glasses. Like are you near? You're I'm assuming you're nearsighted. Ah, uh, farsighted. Yeah, I'm nearsighted too. I wear contacts. But like, imagine one day you didn't have to like wear glasses and you just saw. Perfectly with the glasses. Like, what's the first thing you're going to do? You're going to look at everything. Like, look at everything in your house, but then, like, what? Like, do some sightseeing, like, look at the tall buildings, stuff like that. That's kind of like what it's like. Yeah. <laughs> what is yeah, I get it. I get it. I've never seen this before. <laughs> It's so clear. It's like 4K. It's really <laughs> I like these. <laughs> I wonder if they'll let me touch them. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> uh, okay, Danny. So, and, uh, we that we, got good? A, we got a, we got a thing on a talker just podcast. We like to ask everybody uh, your top three people you would love to get a chance to roll with, past or present. My well, number one, um, his name's Warren Doc. Purple belt when I was there. Older guy. Um, I feel like I learned so much from this guy. We, we ran an open mat on Sundays just getting wipeouts to win competitions. And I think our wipeouts went 12 out of 14 with golds. Two of them had each other, which canceled one out. And one had this absolute, like, like Regan Penn feed up type. Um, but Warren Doc has some back issues. He stopped coming to class. That would be my number one. He is my all-time favorite grappler. Um, number two. I'm a big Build-A-Grill fan. Build-A-Grill Cooper. That's who I kind of like watch the most. Him and Jeff Glover are purple belt. I watched them when I first got into jiu-jitsu. Those two. Um, so build a grill. And last one, Jason Chambers is a pussy. Um, <laughs> I called out Jason Chambers on Instagram, and 
I told him I put up 10K. I win. Your 10K goes to the Deaf Society. You win. My 10K go whatever charity you want. Um, but I saw him like he went to Hollywood, stopped doing jujitsu, came back to jujitsu, and was showing some really iffy techniques. Like borderline McDojo type of stuff. Oh, Not no. exactly full McDojo. I told him, yo, I could take you. <laughs> I could take him. And he got, he blocked me and then had three other pages that were like, worked for him. Um, contact me and accuse me of being a robot. <laughs> so Jason Chambers, number three. I will kick his ass. Um, Warren Doc, number one. Um, Bill Cooper. Nice, nice. Who are yours? Uh, my top three uh, is Mikey uh, Musumeci, uh Brandon Who's Ortega, there? and Damian Maya is usually my top three go-to. I would love to get a transfer roll with. You think you can take Ortega? No. I mean, his coach is ready to race it. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> I just want it for the experience. I know he'll probably smoke me, but I'll, I'll, I will do it for the experience. I don't know. I would actually put money on you beating him. <laughs> but he just used that like length really well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Maya. I love that Maya's just so fundamental. Like, yeah. I, feel like I feel like he doesn't know what an omoplata is. <laughs> and I kind of love that because he will take her back and just keep it really basic, hold thigh control. Like, what's an open pot or a heel hook? I've heard of these things before. <laughs> Sounds familiar. <laughs> I, I would love to. I would love to be coached by, like, spend a month like training at Damon Maya School. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. That would be fun. That would definitely be fun. All right, Danny, man, unless you got any other questions for me, I uh, would love to, you know, if you want to let the people know what you got, what you got going on, what's coming up, uh, the floor is all yours. Uh, nothing else, man. I mean, the time of year, there's not really much you could do except celebrate the holiday. Um, which is like one or two days away. So that's kind of where my focus is right now. Um, other than that, I need to get back to training. I've been running around with everything else, kind of keeping me from training as consistently. Um, I think my like future plans as of like immediate is go see Danny DeVito on Broadway. <laughs> oh, I want to go see Iron Claw. Nice. <laughs> Iron Claw, Danny DeVito on Broadway, um, Christmas, and get back to training. Work, work's dead, man. There's no disasters going on. So it's like the guy's just like, I got a home. That's a good thing. That's a, that's like, a good thing. That's been right now. Or anything. Tree falls. Um, it's not even cold out up here. So people aren't even burning themselves up with space heaters. Like, I'm being right. dead honest. Like, <laughs> All right, I appreciate you having me on. Great talking to you, everything else like that. Um, let me know when you drop it. 
Um, yeah. Everything else like that. I'll blast it on my page and shit like that. Definitely, man. I, 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 I greatly, <laughs> I greatly appreciate you, man. I greatly appreciate you. Uh, that's the end of today's episode. I would like to thank Danny one more time for coming on the show and uh, bless us with his jujitsu knowledge. Please go and follow our Facebook, Instagram, and Facebook page right, to stay updated on all future episodes. This has been Talk Your Just Podcast. Keep rolling, keep grinding, and remember, oh, and long Merry live Jiu-Jitsu. Have a good day, and Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you, too. <laughs>